Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from Dylan Krause. Finish strong. Last night of the theme. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 8. This is in the Bible. This is like, this is like the old school farmer's advice. Finishing is better than starting. And patience is better than pride. Finishing is better than starting. Why is that? There's like so many things you can do. You can start so many things, right? You can start. I'm going to learn how. How many of you have ever tried to learn an instrument? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah right? I, I, was, I was so stoked to learn to play drums. And my dad said, why don't you learn how to play guitar? So I said, okay, I'll play guitar. I learned like two riffs, and then I never touched the stupid thing ever again, you know? It's just, yeah, well, I mean, it takes patience, and it takes desire and passion and stuff. But how many of you have actually learned how now to be like a very good musician? Yes. Awesome. It's a smaller crowd, isn't it? Isn't it interesting, like gold, diamonds, all these things that are valuable, right? It's, It's like a limited supply. Like we're not going out and like throwing a ring that's like, saran wrapped full of dirt on our our girl's fingers right like i'm not going to propose to my wife and be like see this is like this is so plentiful like it's just it's amazing it's like my love for you she's like no i want to be the only one like a diamond that you can't find just lying in the street somewhere you know like that's that's what's so powerful about finishing it's like not everybody can finish that's why it's, like, such an accomplishment. Like, you, you go to races. Like, Katie's been to a bunch of my races, and I've actually raced a bunch of races with Katie. She just finished her first 10K two weeks ago. It was awesome. 6.2 miles. Didn't stop even for water. I was so proud. And uh, you go to, like, these races, and you see people crossing the finish line, and you, like, you don't even know their story, but you can see them and their family, and they're, like, celebrating each other, and people are crying, and you just, like, get overwhelmed. You're, like, weeping. Like, if anybody was there witnessing the Spartan race that we did two summers ago when we had the biggest team and, like, all of us, all of us went and we, like, a bunch of us at least went back and we picked up Stu, who was just like, I will not quit this race until I cross the finish line. And so even though they were asking you, I don't know, probably like three, four hours into it, you sure you want to do this? You sure you want to keep going? Stu had to decide over and over and over again that he was going to finish that race. And it's like such, it's such an amazing and special thing when you finish something. Okay? John chapter 19, verse 30. One very important thing Jesus said in the Bible. Probably one of the most important things. I want to say the most important thing because I don't know for sure. But it is finished. It is is finished what was finished what was going on what was what was he saying where where was he when he was saying that yeah josh he was hanging on the cross and he said it is finished and he actually it says that he he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit and he died now look i was reading about this earlier today and i read this quote it says that the death of jesus christ is the fulfillment in history of the very mind and intent of God. There is no place for seeing Jesus Christ as a martyr. His death was not something that happened to him, something that might have been prevented. His death was the very reason that he came. 
that was what was finished, that he was sent with a purpose, that he had a mission in mind, that he had his eyes set on a prize, that his finish line was to lay down his life. His finish line was to give himself up for each and every single one of you and me sitting in this room tonight. That was his prize. That was his, that was his finish line, was to let himself die in our place. Savage. Oh, my gosh. It is. It's intense. It's gnarly. Think about this. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that this was his call, right? Like, do you know that Jesus didn't just get born of the Virgin Mary and, like, we get to celebrate Christmas now because of that, and that happened at a certain point of time, right? Like, that, that happened, right? That's why we're celebrating Christmas in a month. True? Hands, please. Activity. Action. It'll make your blood and stuff move. All right? 26 days. Christmas lovers. I love it. So, okay. So, was that when Jesus was born? No, right? I mean, in a sense, yes. But Jesus was always around. It says that at the very beginning, he was at the right hand of the Father, creating everything that we see and know, right? So, when we get to Isaiah, like up to Isaiah in, in this, like, in the Bible, where this, he starts prophesying about this one who would come as a Savior, right? Jesus is like, he's there. Okay, he's aware of what's going on. This is what it says. Oh, boy. I have so much stuff all the time, right? I mean, it's just annoying, right? I know, right? I have, like, ways to mark it. I can't even reach it. Okay, Isaiah 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Sorry, this is New King James. It's just what I read. But, we, but he was wounded for our transgressions. You guys have probably heard this verse before. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And just, if you don't know, understand what that word is, it's, it is as bad as it sounds. By his stripes we are healed. And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his, his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgressions of my people. For the sins of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich, but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in him. This is crazy. Listen to this, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This is talking about God actually taking out vengeance on his son Jesus on, through, the, through the cross. If you've seen the Passion, you know it was gnarly and intense. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall pro- prolong his days. Yada, yada, yada. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the sinners, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Okay, so that was written, like, Ben, how long ago, how long before Jesus was born was that written? Yeah. Okay. Or more, right? So you're hearing all this. We're hearing this now, and it's like, that's gnarly, right? Like, it pleased him to bruise him. He was, he was whipped, 
and by his stripes we are healed. He poured out his soul unto death. And Jesus is sitting there in heaven next to God the Father, totally aware that that was his destiny, that that was his purpose to come to earth, to die, to lay down his life, to suffer many things, right? Like at least a handful of times before Jesus was actually crucified, he told the people around him and he said, look, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer many things, and then I'm going to die. And that's when like the famous like Peter, who's like the tough guy of all his crew, was like, get behind, no, that's not going to happen. And, and Jesus was like, get behind me, Satan, you don't even know what you're saying. And, like, Peter was all, like, amped to, like, protect Jesus from dying. And Jesus was like, you don't understand. This is exactly what I was created. That's exactly what I was born to do, was to come here and give up my life. Okay? So, I don't know about you, but how many of you guys have gotten your Christmas trees up? Christmas tree check. Christmas tree check. Some people are no. No go on that. Well, Katie and I got our Christmas tree, and we, we like, empty our piggy bank every year to get our Christmas tree. And it's kind of a fun tradition that was started a couple years ago when we literally had not enough money to buy a Christmas tree and we emptied out our piggy bank and got the money. And so anyway, you know, you've got to watch Christmas movies while you put up your Christmas tree. And for the pregame, Katie put on the Chronicles of Narnia movie, right, the first one. First time I watched that movie, I thought I was going to explode on the inside. I was, so, I was so hyped. It was, like, amazing. And... There's that scene where, like, Aslan is the lion, right? If you don't know, it's like this story, and it's, it's, it kind of represents Jesus' life. But the, Aslan is the lion, and he comes, and he's, he gives himself up for Edmund, right, who, like, is this total creep, and he does all these bad things and makes you hate him the entire time. And you're like, why are you so dumb? Why? Why? Stop being dumb. Who cares about Turkish delight? Just give it up, man. For real, pack a sandwich or something next time. Holy Spirit. Hunger will make you do some crazy things. That's another proverb. All right. And so, and so like, you, you watch as Aslan is, like, giving himself up, right, so that Edmund can go free. And it's this representation of exactly what Jesus did for us. And they, like, take him up and they parade him through, like, all of these ghouls and goblins and creepy-looking things with those beaks and stuff. And there's fire and they're, like, stomping those sticks. And it's like, why did we ever use matas? I don't get it. And they're, like, stomping these sticks. And it's, like, all this, like, weird seance and witchcraft stuff going on. And so he goes up and they, like, drop him. And then they, like, wrap him up and they tie him up and make sure that he's not going to, like, kill them all or whatever. And so then they decided they're going to shave his mane beforehand just to totally humiliate him, right? And you picture, like, Jesus being spit on, Jesus being bound up and people whacking him and saying, if you're such a prophet, why don't you prophesy and say who hit you? And he's up on the cross, and they're saying, if you are really the Son of God, why don't you call down an army of angels to kill us all? And they're just being so arrogant, right? It's just like, pisses you off. You just want to, like, go back in time and, like, smack a Roman soldier in the face with his own sword or whatever. You just get so angry. And Jesus was like a sheep led to slaughter, silent, because he knew that this was his purpose. And he desired more than anything that we would be free. He desired more than anything to, to utter these words that I will, I will finish strong, to utter the words, it is finished. Because him saying those words is what sets us free. Him saying those words is what purchased for us eternity. 
And so you see Aslan, and he's coming up, and they start all shaving off the mane and everything like that. And I forget the two girls' names, but they're in the, like, in the trees. Susan and who? Lucy. And they're, like, standing there, and they're watching it, and they're, like, their hearts are broken, right? And they're standing there, like, bystanders and seeing all this happen. And as, as everything goes, like, the witch, like, raises her sword or whatever, and she stabs him in the heart, and he dies. It's intense, I mean, isn't it, isn't it amazing that, like, I can read, I'm not, this isn't, like, a shame thing, but, like, it's that intense for me, too. Like, I read the Bible, and I read the story, and it's awesome, but, like, literally, like, watching The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe sometimes makes me experience the salvation and the gospel message almost even more, not more, but, like, it's, like, it personifies it in such a gnarly way, and he lays his life down. She kills him on this table in place of this, this son. And, and this witch is thinking she's got the best deal ever, right? She's like, oh, great. So you're going to give me the guy who all, all it takes for me to, to win him is, like, throw him some Turkish delights. I'll, like, put him out, you know, and just, like, lead him into a ki- cliff somewhere, and he'll just be dead, and I can take care of that problem. No problem. And you're going to give me you, the great lion, Aslan. You're going to give up yourself. Imagine how, how scheming the devil was when he thought, oh, I've got him now. I bet you he was really freaked out when he got this on the door of Hell's Gates. I came from my stuff. Give it back. Devil was freaked out when that happened. I guarantee you that. Do you know that it says that? Jesus died and he went into the grave. He went into the, he went into the pit of hell to take back what the devil had stolen. And three days, he said, it says that he made a public spectacle of him. That he, he condemned sin in the flesh. That he came to earth as a man and didn't sin. He came to earth as a man and he chose love every single time he was tempted. He chose to love every single time someone did him wrong. He chose to forgive every single time someone did something evil towards him. He chose to live in love towards every single person. And you know how hard that can be. And he did it because of you. Because if he, he messed up once, it wouldn't have been a perfect sacrifice. If he messed up once, he would have been just like any of us. And he couldn't have finished what he came to do. And so all of the witches and the little ghouls and goblins and all these creepy creatures, they leave, right? And daybreak comes, and Lucy and Susan, sorry. Dude, yes. I remember, anyway. They come, and they're just like laying on him, right? Just like Mary, who came to to see Jesus. And when the angel came out of came and and showed up to her and he said who are you seeking and she's like freaking out and she's saying like if you've done anything with him tell me where you've put him tell me where you've taken him she's like if you know these stories of the gospel and jesus's resurrection you know that she came to meet jesus and his tomb was rolled the stone was rolled away and he was missing and she was like hysterical where is he where is he what's happening what have you done with him And Susan and Lucy are standing there, and they're laying on Aslan, and they finally say, it's time to go. And Lucy looks at Susan, and she says, I'm so cold, because she was hopeless. Because the only hope that she had was that this one, this mighty one, would fight for them. 
Nope. Hopelessness is a lot colder than winter. (sighs) This is awesome. Anyway. And then the the stone breaks and the stairs break and they almost fall down. And they look behind him and he's gone, right? They're like, what? What is happening? What is going on? And then, like, you know, full of glory and, like, the light shining through his mane, he, like, comes through these archways. And they're like, oh, my gosh, mind blown, right? Imagine seeing Jesus after he was raised from the dead and having him say to you, oh, you really don't believe it's me? Stick your, stick your finger right there in that little hole. <laughs> but Real. Imagine, like, you're going to go shake Jesus' hand and, like, your index finger kind of slips through the hole and you're like, oh, 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 how did that happen? (laughs) Crazy, right? And they asked him, they, so Susan and Lucy, they talk to Aslan and they say, what, how did this happen? What's going on? And then he tells them, you know, if the, if the white witch had known, if she had been able to really interpret what the, the old magic or whatever it's called, basically, representing the law of God. If she knew how to interpret the law, she would have understood that if anybody lays down, anybody who's blameless lays their life down for someone else who has sin, that they would be totally set free. And even death itself turns backwards. Even death itself turns backwards. And so last week, or last week we were gone, but two weeks ago, Ben was doing this. Remember this? If you stop there, it looks like Pokemon, but there's another circle. And this is your spirit, right? Soul, body. And he was talking about that at creation, Adam and Eve had been given an instruction from God, and he said, don't eat of this tree or else you'll die, right? And this is so true, but you realize, like, then Eve and Adam both eat of the tree, and they're alive, (laughs) right? When you said that, I was like, yeah, what the heck? (laughs) They didn't die. And then we realized that what happened was what happened. Their spirit became dark. The light of life that comes from God that was in them was darkened by sin. I'm just ignoring you from the rest, for the rest of the night, just so you know. But when we receive this gift, even death itself, when we receive the gift of Jesus Christ, even death itself, is turned backwards. And all of that darkness goes away, and we get filled with the light of life, His Spirit. It's amazing. That's what it meant when God said, it is finished. That we were illuminated again by God, and that death itself had turned backwards. Guys, this is amazing. And I just want to, to say that, to, to finish this theme, to live, how, how are we going to live from this place? How are we going to live out of this 
finish strong. How are we going to live out of these words that Jesus came to, to complete? It is finished. How are we going to live from that place? I'm going to give you four things, quick things, maybe only three. We'll see. Number one, let's see if I can fit this on here. Well, it's going to be, all right. I'm going to have to erase that, sorry. I have a great eraser here. It was given to me by the Lord. If you make fun of it, you're making fun of him. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, number one. This is easy. No. <laughs> no. Definitely not no drugs. I've tried drugs, and they have not been great. Just so you know. Know the truth. ridiculous all right know the truth check this out this is romans chapter three this is some truth for you if i can get there hmm yeah do you know that well it's part of it she said romans three twenty three. this is one of the verses that like i first read when i first read some of these verses this is how i became a christian reading my bible in my room all by myself okay like i had friends who brought me to youth group that got me interested in god but it was me reading the Bible by myself in, the, in my room. I wasn't old. I was 13, okay? I wasn't like some brilliant kid. I was like a creepy middle schooler who had no idea what was going on with his life, you know? Like, have you ever felt like that? Okay, yes, I know you have. Verse 21, 321. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as, we, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, like Isaiah, the prophecy we read about Jesus. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That's amazing. That literally the only thing that takes the darkness out of our heart and makes us alive and lit up again in his life is that we have faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone. Say everyone. Very good. Awesome. Who believes, no matter who we are. Say no matter who we are. So good. No matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Have you ever like felt like that? Man, yes. Gosh, darn it. I like punched my door this morning because I hit my head on the wall. I was like, man, geez, help me, Jesus. I need life. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. It's like Aslan walking out of the tent when he makes the deal with the witch, and he looks over at Edmund, and he goes, yes, you are an idiot. And I don't care because I'm going to lay my life down for you. Yes, you fell short, just like every single other person in the room. No kidding. Do you think I'm surprised by that? No. I laid my life down for you so that he could declare us righteous graciously. Oh, man. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. That's the truth. All right, so that's like just an easy one. Romans 3, 21 through 23. All right, number two. This is a big one. What do you think? I heard it. Yeah, Gabe. 
believe the truth. What? What do you mean? If I know the truth, I believe the truth. No, not really. I've had some crazy encounters with people who, like, know all kinds of things about Jesus, and then they start telling me about how they really love to serve a spaghetti and meatball God. And I'm like, I literally had this conversation in a bar with a person, and he said, I don't believe in Jesus anymore. I went to church, blah, blah, blah. Now I kind of serve this spaghetti and meatball God. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Is this a real thing? He's like, yeah, I'll show you. And he, like, searched it up on Google. And I'm pretty sure it's just, like, a mockery of faith in general because he's so hurt and so, like, twisted in, in the way that he perceives God to be. But it was really ridiculous. <clears throat> okay. Believe the truth. Believing is, <clears throat> is what God actually calls us to. It says in, in John chapter 6, it says, this is the work of God for you to do. Believe in him who he sent. Okay? Believe in him who he sent. Now, believing something can have a very big influence on the way that you act. Right? Have you ever seen somebody who really needs to get through a crowd and they just go like this? Hot coffee, hot coffee, hot coffee, hot coffee, hot coffee. And people just like get out of the way. They're like, oh gosh, don't touch me with the hot coffee. No, stay away. Ah. It's like brilliant. I'm like, I saw that for the first time just like a week ago and I was like, genius. I'm so going to use that if I'm ever late for a flight going somewhere. Hot coffee, get out of the way. Ninja stars. I don't know. Like, don't say that in the airport, but you know, whatever, you know, and it's just like amazing. Or like people who like, I had a biology teacher in high school and she said, she told me about a, a, like a whatever object lesson she did in college with her professor. And this professor filled up a fifth of vodka, which is a big bottle of vodka, which is alcohol with water, and she took, like, the two greenest people in the class, and she sent them out of the room, and now she told the whole class that this was an object lesson and that there was actually only water in this bottle, brought the girls in, and proceeded to line up shot after shot after shot after shot of alcohol for these students. And they just got so slammed. They were like, whoa, my God, I'm so wasted. They were drinking water the entire time. They were not wasted. They weren't even chocolate wasted. They were nothing. (laughs) Belief has a lot to do with how you will act. Belief has a lot to do with how you will act. So if you believe that it is finished, that Jesus graciously has called you righteous, then when you mess up next time, when you feel like you're far away from God next time, when you feel like ashamed of yourself next time, when whatever comes against you to tempt you to believe a lie, you've got to believe the truth that says, he will never be separated from me. I will never be separated from, from him. He is mine and I am his. Scriptures that you just take to the bank with you, that's stuff that says like, okay, great, so what? I've failed. I know that everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. It's this right here. I know this. Now I've got to put it into practice. I've got to believe it. Even though I fail, even though I mess up, it doesn't surprise him. He has totally taken care of the sin problem in my life because he has illuminated me from the inside out. And anytime I fall short, anytime I make a mistake, anytime I act out of an old nature, all of that stuff isn't actually who I am. 
Who I am is a child of God. Who I am is a son or a daughter of the light. Who I am is an imitator of Christ. Who I am is someone who walks in love. Okay? And you can actually fight these things with with your faith. And that'll change the way you act. It'll change the way you act. Something that my friend Josh says is that it helps you keep your hand out. So often, like, we're, we're designed to receive from God, okay? He's always giving, and we're designed to receive from him. And so often, when I feel ashamed, like, if I don't read my Bible enough, or when I punch my bathroom door because I hit my head on the wall, or when I say something mean to my friend and I didn't mean it, or they, they even if I feel misunderstood, like if I said something and somebody misunderstood me and I go, oh, man, I'm such a jerk. I didn't even mean that. How did I do that? I'm so stupid. And it makes you go like this. You're a receiver, right? It makes you go like this. And that's why shame is such a dangerous place to live because it cuts you off from the very life that you were meant to receive. It cuts you off from the very living water, the bread of life that causes you to live exactly as you were created, a child of God. Okay, number three. This is all, these are all related. It is, it is gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. Anybody? What's better, to preach or to, nailed it, practice, practice the truth, all right? If believing changes how you act, then let's walk out this faith, okay? Let's walk out this truth that it is actually finished. Let's not get so caught up with every single day going, well, I sinned five times today, and oh, man, I don't know. It's going to take me five days before God loves me again, and I really screwed this up. So, man, I just, I I better not even go to church tonight or else he's going to be really mad at me. Guys, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is so finished. Over. This isn't like Broncos in overtime. This is like done deal. Yes, I did say that about my own team. They epically failed. It's not, it's not my fault, I, don't, I guess. I don't know. Jesus took care of it. You're not, he's not keeping, a, love does not keep a record of wrongs, right? God is love. He is not keeping a record of your wrongs. He's separating them as far as east is from the west. And that's not a direction or a geographic location. That's an opposite of each other. God is opposite of keeping a record of your wrongs. He's opposite of going like, okay, Kyle, that's like, okay, well, I'm about to make the, oh my gosh, that was five today. I can't believe you sinned five times before breakfast. What's the matter with you? We'll talk about this later, by the way. No. <laughs> it's just lucky charms. I didn't mean it. No. Guys, he is not doing that. And the sooner we realize that, we can, the sooner we can live out of this place where we are totally alive and filled with light, out of this place of God totally illuminating us from the inside out. Okay? So now you know the truth. You believe the truth. Now you're walking around practicing the truth, right? That means you're like forgiving people, you're loving people, you're showing them mercy and grace. You're thinking innocent thoughts about people. What if you could think the best about every single person you met instead of like, 
girl's hair is retarded. Oh my gosh, who does she think she is? That bow is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't even know. I, like, <laughs> what if you could think innocent thoughts about every person you met? That would be great, right? So what do you got to do? Practice. 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 Walk in love. Above all these things, clothe yourself in love. This is Colossians chapter 3. Guys, the more that you dive into the word and you start to know the truth, you start to experience the truth, the more you spend time with God, because knowing is not just reading, right? Knowing is actually an experience. It's actually a relationship. I can, you can love the Eiffel Tower and see all the pictures you want and post on Instagram about it all you want, but until you go there and see it for yourself, I don't want to hear your story about it. I want to s- talk to somebody who knows it, who's been there, who's climbed all the stairs, who's seen the view from the top, who's got a selfie from the actual Eiffel Tower, Okay? It's the same way with knowing God. It's a relationship. It's something that you interact with. It's not just reading a bunch of stuff. It's actually asking some questions and going, God, what is that? How does that look? How does that operate in life? This is how it's been opposite of everything I've ever believed. God, show me how this is really true. Then you're going to start believing those things as he, he reveals himself to you, and then you practice them in everyday life. And you don't go, oh, crap, I failed, I screwed that up, and you keep your little tally list or whatever. No, you just go, oh, God, I'm so thankful that you said it was finished. God, I'm so thankful that you made me alive to you. God, I'm so thankful that you had enough power to set me free from the grip of sin. Isn't that good? Man, when Ben was saying that, thank, thank, like, let's just be thankful and you cultivate the presence of God around you. That is amazing. I mean, I just started by saying, God, thank you for my dog. Thank you for my trapper keeper. Thank you for my car. Thank you for, sorry, it's like an old school thing. I don't know. Thank you for the Denver Broncos. And then I was like, God, thank you that you set me free from sin. God, thank you that you came and you died and you were perfect. God, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm breathing. You know, and it just grows from there. So stand up. We're going to practice this. Help him up, help him up, help him up. Sure. Uh, yeah. Nailed it. Awesome. Sorry to talk so long, guys, but I was pumped about that. So check this out. Listen, there's a, there's a lot of things, listen really quick, there's a lot of things in your life, and this is going to, yeah, it's just the way it is, there's a lot of things that happen to you in your life that make you experience things that are bad, okay? You'll have, I, I woke up to this terrible memory the other day of like my dad leaving me in the woods when I was on a bike ride, the first time I ever got like a two-speed mountain bike. I was, like, riding my little bike, and I'm in the woods. And I'm like, Dad, hey, I want to go on the mountain bike ride with you. And I crashed, and he was, like, pissed that I was slowing him down. So he just left me in the woods, and I didn't know where I was. And I had to go home by myself, okay? And I woke up to that thought, right? Like, you can laugh because it's, like, awkward and stuff to get personal. But the reality is it makes me believe a certain way about myself that God never purposed for me to believe about myself, Okay? 
And there's things that have happened to each and every single one of you that have changed the way that God would have had you believe about who he is and the way he loves you. And right now tonight, I just want to pray that we would hear and experience truth and that we would open our hearts to truth in a way that would come against every single lie that we've been told, every single thing that we've experienced that's contrary to the love of God in our lives that would set us free to believe the truth that we were worth him coming and dying, that he actually, that we were actually his joy to die for, that it was actually his pleasure to lay himself down so that he could have us. Okay, so that he could have you, that he never has left you or forsaken you for one moment of one single day. He's never, ever, ever left you. And even when you don't feel him, he's there. And even when you don't believe you're worth him being close to you, he's close to you because he loves you, because he's your father. And that's what a perfect father does. And some of you have got fathers that haven't been perfect, and I didn't either. And even though I love my dad, that was like one mistake. He was probably really young. He's probably like under 30. You know, he's probably like, just like, whatever. I just want to ride my bike by myself. Leave me alone, kid. Like, okay, whatever. Sorry, Dad. I'm going to go find home. My knee's bleeding. I don't know what happened to me. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm going to make it. I'm, I'm sure of it. But seriously, like, all of those things, they start to build up these things in you, the way that you believe about things, the way that you believe about yourself, the way you perceive your value. And tonight, I just feel like God wants to totally wreck every single lie, tear down every single wall that's been put up in your heart that says, I'm not worth it. That, yeah, he might have done it for those guys and that guy because he's perfect and they're good, better than me and whatever, but he didn't do it for me, couldn't have done it for me. Guys, he said it is finished, not for just this person or that person, for every single one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. And he chose to come while we were still in our sin. He chose to come and die knowing about it, knowing about it. For thousands of years, he was standing on the edge of heaven and earth saying, can I go? Can I go? Can I go now? Can I go set them free now? Can I go set them free now? And it wasn't until the perfect time that God sent him to be crucified. Hmm. So just just say, let's hold out our hands. Let's close our eyes. Don't touch anybody beside you. Don't talk to anybody beside you. We're just going to engage with Holy Spirit right now. And I want you to pray this for yourself in your own heart. You don't have to say it out loud, but this is personal between you and God. I want you to say, God, come and show me how much you really love me. God, come and reveal to me the truth about who you are and who I am to you. Come and show me the truth about my value. Come and show me the truth about the way that you care about me. Come and show me the truth that you're so never, ever, ever going to leave me that I'm never, ever going to be alone because you're always going to be with me. Come and show me the truth. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and reveal truth right now. Come and reveal truth right now. Come and reveal truth right now. Hmm. Now, God, I pray that you would pour out grace. I want you to pray this for yourself, too. God, I ask for grace. You don't have to pray out loud. Just in your heart. God, I ask for grace to believe the truth that you said about me. I ask for grace to believe the truth that you said 
about who you are that I haven't believed because of all of my own life experiences, because of this or that thing, because of my mom or dad walking out on me, because of this happening or that happening or whatever's gone on, because of being bullied as a child or, or whatever it is, God, I pray that you would tear down all of those lies that have built up in hearts, all that garbage that has built up in hearts. God, clean house tonight and illuminate us with truth and give us grace to believe it. And Lord, I thank you that believing a certain way causes us to act a certain way. And so, Lord, I thank you that tonight as we enter into truth and just step into it, and it's going to keep growing and growing in us. But God, as we enter into this faith of your great love for us, of your, of your great faithfulness towards us, of your great sacrifice on our behalf, and that you're not even keeping record of wrongs against us, God, but you have called us into your light. You've called us children of God. <clears throat> that from that place of faith and that place of believing, God, that we would start to act like you, that we'd do what the Bible says, we'd be imitators of God. And everywhere we'd go, people would experience your love and they'd feel your grace and they'd know what it's like to be close to you. They would know what it's like to be cared for and appreciated because I'm in the room. Because I'm in the room and I am your son and I am your daughter and I'm going to carry this love. I'm going to carry this flame of fire, this passion of love and truth. I'm going to carry this mercy, this grace. I'm going to carry this strength and this power. I'm going to carry this tenacity, this passion that you had. To the people that I see every single day at school, to my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters, to my teachers in homeroom, to the people that drive my bus, to the coaches that I have, to the players on my team, the people that sit next to me in class, the lunch lady, God, every single person will know that you're alive and you're real because I'm going to shine with that light that you've put in me. I'm going to finish strong because you finished strong, God. I'm going to finish strong because you said it was finished. I'm going to finish strong because you've done it, God. You've done it, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, God. Oh, so, Lord, I just thank you for every single thing that you've done. And if there's memories that have come to mind or whatever, like kind of like my silly bike story but or whatever, Guys, take that right to God and say, Lord, where were you? Like, where were you when I felt like this? Where were you when I was totally abandoned or alone? And let him show you that he was there. Not that it takes the pain away of the situation that happened in this, like, life, but that he could show you that he's not, he didn't walk out on you, that he's always been there. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.